This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.23 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 3rd of July, 2019, and this is episode 115 of Bitcoin and and I am dragging some ass today, man. I'm, ah, God, it's just getting late on this stuff. There's just so much stuff to to work through when, you know, pet, setting up the show and, and finding, you know, relevant stories. And there's a lot, man, there's a lot going on today. There's just a lot. So let's burn right into it. Well, let's not exactly burn into it. Let's uh, do a couple of, a, talk about a, uh, my upcoming trip uh, again, I'm going to be leaving uh, Friday morning to the mountains of Colorado, and where I will be, uh, it will be impossible to cut new shows. Um, I'm going to do my best to set up some old shows to drop on a timer uh, on SoundCloud, and then um, as those drop, I, I will be able to tweet that out. But um, just be aware they're going to be they're going to be older shows. Uh, okay. So now we can get into the first news of the day and that's cold cards, firmware upgrade, uh, version 2.1.1 has dropped and that was, and that dropped this morning sometime. So here's, uh, their, their document, uh, detailing the upgrade and what's going on here. Um, major release with multi-sig support. Okay. So there's a new menu under settings and multi-sig wallet. List all imported M of N wallets already set up. Export import for air-gapped creation and related settings and more. And then in the category of broad change, extended public key finger XFP values used to be shown in the wrong Indian byte swapped and prefixed with 0x to indicate that indicate they were a number. In fact, they are a byte string and should be shown in network order everywhere you might want or sorry, everywhere you might be used to seeing your XFP value has been switched. So 0x, 0f, 0569430 becomes 4369050f, all caps, no 0x prefix. Affected areas include BIP39 password confirmation screen, advanced view identity screen, Electrum skeleton wallet export, public uh, sorry, dump public data file, XFP command in CKCC CLI helper. Uh, let's see. Okay. And then in this, uh, under this heading is, this heading is new feature, create seed words from D6 dice rolls. This is awesome. Under, ex- under import existing and then dice rolls, just keep pressing one through six as you roll at least 99 rolls are required for 256-bit security. Seed is SHA-256 over all rolls, all ASCII string. Normal seed words are shown so you can write those down instead of the rolls. 
can also mix in dice rolls after cold card picks the seed words and shows them press four and you can then do some dice rolls as many or as few as desired to get a new set of words which adds those rolls as additional entropy uh this summary let's see okay this uh uh, heading is export skeleton wallets for Wasabi Wallet to support air-gapped use. So yeah, yeah, people have been talking about that coming out. That's going to be awesome. Summary file has been reworked to include more XPUB values and a warning about using addresses your blockchain monitoring wallet might not be ready for. When BIP39 passphrase is given over USB and approved, the new XFP is shown on screen for reference. Version 2.1.1 Wasabi wallet support. Remove extra info from skeleton file. Change XFP Indian add version field. And the last thing is use with Electrum will require our updated plugin changes. So there you go. And then there's instructions on how to upgrade and it gives gives all, you know, all that and some other things. But that was, you know, those are the highlights of the new uh, version. And that is one hell of an upgrade, y'all. Um, let's see here. From the block crypto. Um, let's see, who's, who's anybody writing that? Yeah, okay. Uh, United U.S. social media users unlikely to use the Libra survey shows. This was uh, from July 1st. U.S. social media users say they are unlikely to use Facebook's cryptocurrency Libra, according to the research by financial services company Jefferies. More than 600 people have taken part in the survey, and four and five respondents said they were unlikely or very unlikely to buy the cryptocurrency. The survey respondents have pointed towards a lack of trust in the social media giant as their biggest concern regarding Libra, 45%. Despite the fact that Facebook will not have access to consumer transaction data, almost 40% also indicated they already have a mobile payment wallet and saw no reason for using the Libra wallet. However, there needs to be a broad-based adoption for Libra to scale successfully, the report read. Quote, effectively, without substantial network effects, we do not expect Libra to replace existing forms of cashless payments, at least not in the near term, end quote. Those who would be interested in using Libra said they'd use it for goods and services, 12%. Uh, use Libra as a way to send money to friends and family, 14%, or the combination of both, 15%. However, the research points out that changing consumer purchasing behavior does not happen overnight. In a cited survey, uh, in a cited survey data from payments, only a small fraction of iPhone and Android users based in the United States, have tried Apple Pay and Android Pay, 12.5% and 6.6% respectively. Jeffrey suggests that incentives will uh, be needed to foster usage. So, And that's if they can even get this thing off the ground. Um, we'll get into some, some other, you know, another piece of Libra news a little bit later. Um, I mean, I never used Apple Pay. And, uh, you know, and when Apple Pay came out, it was apparently going to crush Bitcoin and nobody uses it. Nobody cares. I mean, it's just, it's all in a lot. Of, I think a lot of this just has, you know, is how to state this without pissing everybody off. We live in the West. The West is probably the last place that we, that is going to be concerned about these types of things uh, because all of our shit works so well. And, and like I said, that's going to scathingly close to pissing everybody off. Let, let me just kind of buy back that up a little bit. 
just to say that it, clearly things are not good. It's just that, you know, my credit, you know, most people is just going to take the easy way. You know, it's, it's easy to pay with a credit card. It's easy to use fiat. It is not so easy in third world shitholes. So there, there's a difference. And, and I think it's the third world that we should be looking at for onboarding people and, you know, getting that, that, that sort of thing going on because those people desperately need something other than their own shitty fiat. We got some shitty fiat too, but come on, let's, let's be honest with ourselves and say our shitty fiat is not so, is not as crappy as Venezuela's shitty fiat. So there you go. June sets records for CME Bitcoin futures as signups surge 30%. This out of Coindesk written by Sebastian Sinclair, July the 3rd. CME's Bitcoin futures product <coughs> is continue, continuing to show signs of increased popularity, with June setting a new record for open interest in, amid a surge of new account signups. More than 2,960 accounts have traded CME Group's Bitcoin future across all client types and time zones since launch, according to new data from the derivatives marketplace. In 2019 alone, there has been more than 950 new accounts created, marking a 30% increase in total client signups Coindesk has learned. In addition, the number of large open interest holders, entities that hold contracts worth at least 25 BTC, worth about $280,000 at press time, grew to 49, up from an average of 46 during the last week in June, a new record. Also of note, open interest is up in all four expiries. Or expiries. I can't really, I don't know how to pronounce that. I think it's expiries. Uh, meaning CME Group, quote, is creating a forward curve for the crypto markets so that investors can better manage price, end quote, according to a company's spokesperson. As shown in the chart above, open interest in CME's BTC futures has been steadily on the rise, up to a record-breaking 6,069 contracts towards the end of June and demonstrating a strong demand. Open interest refers to the total number of outstanding derivative contracts that have not been settled and thus are open. It could be a sign that the traditional finance industry is taking greater interest in crypto, says Gareth McLeod, Partner at Griffin Labs, an open source framework for algorithmic trading in cryptocurrency markets, he told Coindesk, quote, It's most likely traders in the traditional finance industry using CME to take long positions off of news about Libra. Uh, baby. Given traditional finance's apprehension towards crypto, mainly due to its wild price swings, futures contracts offer stability, reliability, and reduced risk when it comes to operating large portfolios. Professional traders... And larger financial institutions also prefer to operate through a familiar platform rather than through a traditional crypto exchange due to interoperability and familiarity with their own Bloomberg terminals, says McLeod. The news is welcomed at a time when BTC's wild price fluctuations are on full display. <laughs> First rising to a peak of 13888 on June 26, before sh sh uh, falling sharply to 9650 on July the 2nd. BTC has since bounced back up 15.85% over a 24-hour period and was last seen changing hands at 11,420. Nice, 420. All right, so yeah, institutional people are coming in no matter what anybody, what, no, don't listen to the FUD. You know, it's, I, I think, it, I think what happened on this, this whole institutional, the institutions are coming is that it was 
the narrative was kind of given over as like this going to, it was going to be like a, a, a wave, like a wall of investment money coming in. And I don't think that that was ever in the cards. I think it's going to be a slow trickle. And then there's, you know, the, the dam will finally burst, but it's going to take a little bit of a ro- the, you know, erosive power of the first few coming in to weaken the walls that, that are holding back the flood. So I think that narrative was wrong, that it was just going to be like one day we'd wake up and every financial institution were, was going to put their feet into Bitcoin. No, 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 no. It's going to happen slowly, but I'll bet you, I'll bet you the pace picks up. I'll bet you the pace picks up. That's what I'm thinking. Um, Mike Dudas is apparently pissed off at Gab. <laughs> at least that's what he's saying on Twitter. Um, I'm not going to read his tweet. Y'all probably already seen it. But he's pissed because Gab seeks $10 million to decentralize and use free speech money Bitcoin. This is out of the Cointelegraph by Marie Huliet. And she's writing this one hour ago, according to my screen. Social media platform Gab has made a bid to seal $10 million in a Series A crowdfunding round that will enable it it to decentralize its infrastructure and integrate Bitcoin and Lightning Network payments. Founded in 2016, Gab has risen to notoriety due to a perception that it serves as an echo chamber for extremist alt or far-right views as it welcomes users who have been banned from sites like Twitter and Facebook for their alleged violations of hate speech rules. More broadly, the site targets a user base of libertarian, nationalist, populist, or conservative leanings, or anyone who dissents from the content filtration, anti-disinformation, and data harvesting measures enforced by mainstream platforms or, quote, big tech. (coughs) Gab has long presented its support for crypto as one of the company's three pillars, these being unapologetic maximalism in regard to free speech, Bitcoin, and freedom. In its campaign announcement, Gab notes that it has accepted Bitcoin donations characterized as free speech money since 2016, yet has meanwhile been no platform by payment processors that include PayPal, Stripe, Coinbase, Square, BitPay, and others. Quote, our plans are to integrate Bitcoin and Bitcoin's Lightning Network tooling into our line of free speech products to empower our users to facilitate commerce, tip one another, and be more free from corporate censorship and control, end quote. Should it succeed to raise the funds, Gab will launch an open-source social networking architecture which is fully decentralized, meaning that anyone can participate in a group of federated web publishing services. A new open-source free speech-oriented dissenter web browser has also been released, complete with a native ad blocker and a comment extension, as well as coming with integrated Bitcoin and Lightning Network wallet functionality. Gab claims dissenter can prevent the big tech tracking that happens on the mainstream web. According to its crowdfunding campaign, Gab.com has almost 1 million registered users with its top five markets in the United States, Brazil, United Kingdom, Canada, and Germany. The Gab app has notably been uh, been banned both by Apple and Google app stores. As recently reported, Gab was reported to be using the Cash app from United States-based payments firm Square in January 2019 to transact and receive Bitcoin donations ahead of its reported exclusion from the service, as well as reportedly terminating the personal account of Gab co-founder Andrew Torba. Coinbase also shuttered the merchant account merchandise shop of the anonymous international publishing nonprofit WikiLeaks this April, allegedly due to a terms of service violation. So there you go. Um, yeah, you know, say what you want about Gab, but you know, 
I, I, I've seen Andrew Torba literally reach out to people who hate Andrew Torba because they themselves got banned from Twitter or Facebook or YouTube and said, come on over. Yeah, as free speech is free speech is an interesting that's an interesting cat to skin because if you really do value free speech then that means you're going to value the speech that you don't want to listen to and i that, that and there's no way around that there's no way around that there's no other way if you value free speech then you're going to have to listen to crap you don't want to listen to and and that's actually not not entirely true. I mean, you're going to hear every once in a while you're going to hear somebody say something that you don't like. At that point, you got the you got the every right to just not listen to that person anymore. It's your personal responsibility to to fill, you know, build your own filters. You know, not necessarily make it an echo chamber, but I mean, you know, you have every right to build your own filters and you have every right not to listen to shit you don't want to listen to. But don't ever go around telling other people what they should be listening to because that is not free speech. That's just everything about that's just wrong. Um, Cubans <clears throat> next up in the stack is you know, Cubans can, you know, they do a lot of things. One of the things that they're really, really good at is fixing the cars of the 1950s and 1960s. But what they're also doing is studying cryptocurrency as part of economic crisis measures. And this is Sarah Marsh and Mark Frank writing for Reuters. And this was, uh, where was this? Oh, July the 2nd. Coming out of Havana, Cuba's communist government said on Tuesday it was studying the potential use of cryptocurrency as part of a series of measures to boost its economy amid a deepening crisis exacerbated by U.S. sanctions. Just use Bitcoin. My God, people. Cryptocurrency, which allows financial operations to be carried out anonymously. Reuters, you guys really need to do a little bit more deeper research here. Cryptocurrency, which allows financial operations to be carried out anonymously, uh, pseudonymously, has been used in the past to get around capital controls. Cuba's top ally, Venezuela, introduced a cryptocurrency last year aiming to avoid U.S. sanctions and weather hyperinflation, although it never properly got off the ground. Cuba's inefficient state-run economy is facing crisis due to a sharp decline in Venezuelan aid, lower exports, and the tightening of the decades-old U.S. trade embargo under Donald Trump. The new measures announced on a roundtable on state-run TV by President Miguel Diaz-Canal and his government will raise income for around a quarter of the population and deepen market reforms of one of the world's last Soviet-style command economies started by the island's na- or the island nation's previous president, Raul Castro. <clears throat> the aim is to raise national production and demand in order to boost growth as U.S. sanctions target tourism and foreign investment. Diaz Canel, C A N E L, Canel, I guess, working to establish his legitimacy after assuming the presidency in April 2018, said the government was working on the details of the implementation. Quote, we are studying the, studying the potential use of cryptocurrency in our national and international co- commercial transactions, and we are working on that together with academics, end quote. Economy Minister Alejandro Gil Fernandez said, the most popular measure in the new package will likely be the hikes in some pensions and wages for workers in public administration, social services, and state-run media, bringing the medium monthly wage in those sectors up to the equivalent of $44.5 from around $25 previously. 
Many Cubans say the measure still will not be sufficient to breach the gap between salaries and the cost of living. Nonetheless, it should boost purchasing power as long as inflation is kept in check. <laughs> Quote, it's not ideal, but it's an advanced. Uh, advanced, says Pavel Joaquin Hernandez, 46, a general practitioner who will go from earning the equivalent of around 40 bucks per month God, to 64 bucks per month. Cuban economist Omar uh, Everleni said the raise was crucial given how demotivated workers were, with many immigrating. Quote, for the first time, the government is linking the fact that everything can be achieved if workers are motivated, he said. Gil Fernandez said the government was also broadening a series of measures aimed at decentralizing and thus improving state-run company performance and stimulating local production. Substitution of imports and increasing exports. For example, he said financial service companies would be would be able would be established to provide cash in the face of opportunity more quickly than the centralized planning system. The government would also expand a system allowing some companies to keep a percentage of the hard currency they earn in order to reinvest it immediately rather than have to apply for credit. State companies, agricultural entities, and other economic actors that supply a growing number of firms for the Marielle Special, Marielle Special Economic Zone, a project resembling China's first capital, capitalist oasis, would, pres, would receive a percentage of sales in hard currency, Gil Fernandez said. The government was also studying how to allow the growing number of small private businesses to export through the state-run businesses, he said. So, yeah, um, Again, just my God, guys, just use Bitcoin. It, why? I don't. Th- this need to control is just. I guess it's inherent in the human species. I don't know. Uh, and here we have some some BS out of the Financial Conduct Authority. Uh, this is out of the UK. Uh, the Financial Conduct Authority is proposing rules to address harm to retail consumers from the sale of derivatives and exchange traded notes, referencing certain types of crypto assets. So this was released today. And essentially that's like, you know, it's, it's like, like the, like the FATF kind of thing. It's not law, but it's a guide. It's a council of people that probably consist of old people yelling at clouds, making supposed rules that should be adopted. And anyway, this is what, what they're thinking. Um, the FCA considers these products are ill-suited to retail customers who cannot rely, rely, reliably assess the value and risks of derivatives or ETNs that reference certain crypto assets, crypto derivatives. This is due to, one, inherent nature of the underlying assets, which have no reliable basis for valuation, two, the prevalence of market abuse and financial crime in secondary markets for crypto assets, Three, extreme volatility in crypto asset price prices and movements. And four, inadequate understanding by retail consumers of crypto assets and the lack of clear investment need for investment products referencing them. These features mean retail customers might suffer harm from sudden or and unexpected losses if they invest in these products. The FCA is therefore consul- consulting on banning the sale, marketing and distribution to all retail consumers of all derivatives, <clears throat> and ETNs that re- uh, reference unregulated transferable crypto assets by firms acting in or from the UK. This con- consultation fulfills the FCA's commitment in this UK crypto asset task force final report to explore the potential ban. We estimate the potential benefit to retail consumers from banning these products 
to be in the range of 75 million to 234.3 million pounds a year. That's, I guess, pound sterling. Christopher Woolard, executive director and strategy and uh, strategy and competition at the FCA, said, quote, as with our work on the wider CFD and binary options markets, we will act when we see poor products being sold to retail consumers. These are complex contracts built on top of crypto assets. Most consumers cannot reliably value derivatives based on unregulated crypto assets. Prices are extremely volatile, and as we have seen globally, financial crime in crypto asset markets can lead to sudden and unexpected losses. It is therefore clear to us that these derivatives and exchange-traded notes are unsuitable investments for retail consumers. End quote. The consul- this consultation follows policy statement PS19-18 published on 1st of July 2019, which finalized rules restricting the sale of CFDs and CFD-like options to retail clients. These include setting leverage limits of 2 to 1 on CFD referencing cryptocurrencies. In January 2019, the CFA or the FCA also consulted on guidance on crypto assets, CP19/3, to clarify what types of crypto assets fall within our current regulatory perimeter which closed April 5th, 2019. The FCA expects to publish its final guidance on crypto crypto assets later in the summer and has reflected back to that consultation in our proposals for crypto derivatives. The FCA has also issued consumer warnings to inform consumers about the risks associated with direct and indirect investments in cryptocurrencies. So they're holding your hand. Apparently retail consumers, and I, 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 I shouldn't be so harsh. They're not exactly wrong, but still it's like, well, all I hear them saying is that you're too stupid to figure this out and you will never be in a position where you'll be able to learn enough about it to not be, you know, not be stolen from. And that's not exactly freedom. I get what they're saying and I'm not in like, I, you know, they're not exactly wrong, but Maybe you should invest your money into educating, you know, learning yourself how this shit works. And then, oh, I don't know, educating your public about how this stuff works. So instead of banning things, maybe you should be, here's how to learn about it. And and, and we'll spend the money learning about it together. I don't know. Just a thought. So uh, Cointelegraph is writing. Uh, William Suberg says, world's first zero fiat Bitcoin bond now available on the Bloomberg terminal, this was uh, today, two European companies have launched what they describe as the world's first genuine Bitcoin BTC bond. They confirmed in a joint press release on July the 3rd. Luxembourg-based Argento, a securitization firm, joined forces with London block exchange LBX to issue the Bitcoin-denominated bond, which is regulated under the United Kingdom's regulator, the Financial Conduct Authority, who we have just heard from. Quote, we are thrilled to have structured and produced the world's first institutional-grade Bitcoin-denominated financial product, end quote. Argento manager Phil Milo commented, quote, the large investment banks really dropped the ball on this one. (laughs) Oh, man. The Argento LBX bond represents a first in regulated cryptocurrency products in that it contains no fiat exposure for investors. It is readily available via Bloomberg Terminal and is the first crypto product to have its own ISIN code. Various durations are available, Argento conspicuously naming them after crypto-specific phenomena such as FOMO, HODL, and MOON. (laughs) HODLers, LBX says, form one of the bond's major target 
markets. Okay, read that again. Hodlers, LBX says, form one of the bond's major target markets. What have we been hearing? If you hodl Bitcoin, then it's not going to work. If if hodlers are destroying Bitcoin, like point, you know, just basically a whole bunch of point, another FUD point is what that was. Okay, so if if this doesn't debunk that particular piece of FUD, I don't know what will, because if 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 they're literally looking at a major target market of of hodlers, then apparently we're doing something right. So, quote, this is an excellent product for people who currently hold Bitcoin and aren't planning to sell over the next few years, CEO Benjamin Davies added, quote, now for the first time, they have an institutional grade way of making their wallets grow without exposing their Bitcoin to the swings of the traditional fiat currency markets. Previously, the governments of several developing nations had told the International Monetary Fund that they were keen on issuing bonds tied to Bitcoin. Guys, this is a really important one. Right here, this this particular uh, thing is um, this announcement is pretty bollocks or not. Sorry, wrong word. Pretty bullish for Bitcoin. So there you go. Um, okay, this is the other Libra story. Uh, this is out of the block crypto. Uh, Aislin, wait. Aislinn? Aislinn Keeley is writing yesterday. Facebook execs receive another letter calling for a halt in Libra development. Uh, after chair of the House Financial Services Committee, U.S. Representative Maxine Waters called for a moratorium on the development of Facebook's Libra. Other members of Congress are joining her. Five members, including Waters, have submitted a letter to Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg calling for a halt on the deployment. Um, along with Waters, <clears throat> uh, U.S. Rep. Carolyn Maloney, chair of the Investor Protection Entrepreneurship and Capital Markets Subcommittees, U.S. Representative William Lacey Clay, chairman of the Housing, Community Development, and Insurance Committees, Representative Al Green, chairman of the Oversight and Investigation Subcommittee, and United States Representative Stephen Lynch, a chairman of the Task Force on Financial Technology, all addressed their concerns to Zuckerberg, as well as COO Sheryl Sandberg and Calibra CEO David Marcus in an open letter. The letter alleges the Libra system, which set up shop in Switzerland a few months ago, is intended to rival U.S. monetary policy in the dollar. Quote, this raises serious privacy, trading, national security, and monetary policy concerns for not only Facebook's over 2 billion users, but also for investors, consumers, and the broader global economy, the lawmakers wrote. The letter also claims the system could become, quote, an under-regulated platform for illicit activity and money laundering. God, it's just the same song over and over with these people. These concerns arise from the lack of information contained in Libra's white paper, according to the signatories. As justification for the concerns expressed, the letter makes reference to the Cambridge Analytica scandal in which the political consulting firm accessed Facebook user data to influence voting behavior in the 2016 election. It also claims Facebook removed 2.2 billion fake accounts in the first quarter of 2019 and presents skepticism towards crypto in general, noting that hackers stole $1 billion for the first three quarters of 2018. For these reasons, Lawmakers called for the moratorium, during which they said they intend to hold public hearings to find legislative solutions for the risks they feel Libra poses. Quote, failure to cease implementation before we can do so risks a new Swiss-based financial system that is too big to fail, 
the letter warns. God, they're, u- they're using language from two th- 2008. Wow, that's shit. This is just like almost like propaganda st- uh, scale kind of thing. Zuckerberg, Sandberg, and Marcus have yet to respond to the letter. Indeed, Zuckerberg has re- mostly remained silent when Congress previously mailed him questions on Libra. First in May, when Congress asked about the possibility of a Facebook crypto after outlets first reported rumors of the coin, and again, when Waters called for the initial moratorium last month. Marcus, however, is reportedly slated to testify at both Senate and House hearings on Libra, which are scheduled for July 16th and 17th, respectively. So, yeah, they're getting some pressure. They are definitely under some thumbs. And But somebody who's not under thumb is Bitcoin. Casa launches Lightning Node mobile app for Bitcoin newbies. This is uh, Leah Kuhn writing out of Coindesk uh, on today. Casa's new mobile app makes it easier to manage your Lightning Node on the go. Launched today, the new Sats app works like a non-custodial wallet with some unique features. In addition to being able to manage a user's Lightning Node from the mobile app, Casa CEO Jeremy Welch said the startup will soon roll out a rewards program for earning small amounts of Bitcoin through the app. The goal is to help crypto newbies graduate from earning their first Bitcoin all the way to managing a lightning node with just one mobile app. Quote, features are focused on increasing adoption of Bitcoin and lightning nodes, end quote. Welts told Coindesk in an exclusive interview, you will be able to earn Bitcoin if you don't have a Casa node, but you will be able to earn Bitcoin faster if you have a node. Stepping back, the Bitcoin security startup had launched several products since last September, including protective Faraday bags and the Casa Lightning node device. Welch said the startup has raised more than $3.5 million U.S. so far from investors such as Elise Killeen, Castle Island Ventures, Boost VC, and Compound, just to name a few. The staff of roughly 25 people serves customers in 60 countries, running thousands of active nodes, Welch said. Those customers will have first access to the new app this week with public access via the App Store rolling out later this month. Quote, it's a lightweight app, but allows you to experience the full gamut from earning your first sats to operating a full node from your phone. Welch said, it's private, secure, and connects over Tor. Casa already has a multi-sig custody app for tech-savvy customers who want to protect significant amounts of Bitcoin called Keymaster. This new mobile app was created for onboarding the crypto curious. The rewards program will give tiny fractions of a Bitcoin called Satoshis. One Bitcoin is made up of 100 million Satoshis. Quote, our first announced Sats back reward will be 20,000 Satoshis just to get your Casa node all connected up on tour and connected to Sats app, Welch said. His team's goal with crypto rewards and other user-friendly features is to provide users with easy ways to hold their own Bitcoin rather than keeping it on exchanges. Welch added, we're trying to make it easier for people to do that. Self-custody. All right. So just shit just keeps marching on, man. Um, Blockstream's got an announcement. They uh, are announcing, let's see, what Blockstream launches atomic swaps on liquid Bitcoin sidechain. This is Alyssa Hertig. She's writing today. Blockstream has created an experimental tool which makes it easier for users to trade trustlessly between tokens launched on its liquid sidechain. Dubbed Liquid Swap Tool, the platform uses Atomic Swaps, a cryptographic technology that already serves as backbone for newer decentralized exchange. Uh, exchange is currently in development. 
The motivation for these types of transactions is that today most exchanges are middlemen trusted by users to exchange cryptocurrency on their behalf. Many have lost funds or suffered hacks over the years, leading technologists to offer argue they really can't be trusted with this money. Atomic swaps offer an alternative. As mentioned above, this autom- atomic swap tool is specifically geared for tokens launched on Liquid, a sidechain that's pegged to Bitcoin. To use it, users must send their tokens to the sidechain, effectively trading their Bitcoin for LBTC. It's kind of like alchemy morphing Bitcoin into an altered type of Bitcoin, which is faster and has more privacy features, but requires more trust in the intermediaries that run the sidechain. Recently, Blockstream launched a tool for launching security tokens on top of the so-called sidechains, which is pegged to the Bitcoin network. With the new Liquid Swap tool, users will be able to trade one of these tokens for another without requiring an intermediary to do the exchange, though it's worth noting. The instructions for the tool are pretty technical for now. Users need to download Liquid, fiddle with the configuration file, download the separate swapping tool, and perform the instructions in the code repository to get it going. Not to mention, the repository describes the tool as early days, arguing it should be considered experimental. Reckless. Going on to outline a way to make such trade more private. Quote, it is recommended to use the tool with someone that you can trust to keep such data private. Users are also encouraged to encrypt or sign messages sent with their trading partners in order to mitigate against man-in-the-middle attacks. The description continues. So Blockstreams, you know, they're everybody's marching straight along and adoption starting to increase retail and, you know, re, the retail side of things seems to be coming up. The uh, institutional side seems to be coming up. I don't know, man, this just all, all looks pretty damn bullish. So let's see if it's had any, you know, any effect on the price. That's going to do it for your morning roundup and vitals are next. like we got some price action 11,700 or sorry $11,370 for Bitcoin on average it looks like where's going to be a high where's my high where's my high my high is going to be at Coinbase Pro at 11,441 and Simix is going to have the low at 10,786 that is that's a pretty large arbitrage opportunity right there wow Almost 400,000 transactions have been made over the last 24 hours. 16,500 transactions on average per hour. 1.6 million BTC has been sent over the last 24 hours with an average per hour of 68,000 BTC. The average transaction value is 4.12 BTC and the median transaction value is 0.04 or about 450 bucks U.S., Block time is pretty low, man. Eight minutes and 14 seconds. 0.59 BTC have been taken in fees on a per block basis, and 103 BTC have been taken in fees over the last 24 hours. Hash rate has increased by 11.5% over the last 24 hours, and we are at 62.84 exahashes per second. Nice. Uh, yesterday was the last time somebody committed code to Bitcoin at the, at the GitHub repository. 
Reading left to right, Ethereum is at 294, Litecoin is at 119, Bcash is at 409, BSV is at 200, Ethereum Classic is at $7.7, and Dogecoin is at 0.0032. So it's holding its own, even though I heard a story that, that Doge got delisted uh, from some exchange that I'd never heard of before. And because I never heard of them before, I didn't bring it, you know, I didn't read the story for you, but yeah. So somebody, some exchange delisted Doge. I'm like, how could you do that to the cute little puppy dog? And, you know, maybe it's cause it'll, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it hasn't really ever boosted its transactions and, you know, on a 24 hour basis right now, I'm looking at, uh, just under 30,000 transactions, which isn't beating BSV and it's not beating Bcash. But what's interesting is that BSV has almost doubled the amount of transactions than the Bcash chain over the last 24 hours. But I don't know that that'll do it for your vital statistics. So since the price of Bitcoin may very well have left four digits for the last time in the history of Bitcoin, I hope, I really do. I hope that that's some, some murmurings that, that I've been hearing on, on Bitcoin Twitter is that this will be the last time we see four digits. And we've heard it before, but it seems so, there's something in the tone of that, um, uh, of the sentiment that's kind of different. And I may just be reading too much into it. You know, this time it's different and I'm not, I really don't want to fool myself, but you know, it's the possibility that uh four digit BTC is gone. Let's hear from the cars.
driving this particular train wrecked for the day, but it's either going to be Noriel Rubini or, or uh, Crypto Hayes or Arthur Hayes. Um, I'm just going to lead it off with uh, Arthur Hayes saying the following. Don't worry. Our tapes will expose your thin grasp of economics and technology. After seeing these tapes, I would be surprised if you were allowed into any higher learning institution. So what's he talking about? Well, apparently there was some debate between him and Noriel Rubini. And he's uh, responding to a tweet from Noriel Rubini. Noriel's writing, this was yesterday at about 8.49 p.m., i assuming a central daylight time. Crypto is a mafia hush money racket. The blockchain conference organizers cowed and caved to BitMEX's censorship and didn't tape or broadcast my debate with Crypto Hayes. He had his underlings make the only tape of the debate and is hiding it from view. Release that tape, coward. You know, one thing about Noriel that I wonder is if he's always in a sour-ass mood. I, is he always this way? I mean, if, if you like get drinks with a guy at the bar, is he pissed off at just everything? And you have to sit there and just listen to him rant? I mean, it's like, God, the guy's never in a good mood, man. That, can't, that cannot be good for you. It, it, it just can't. Okay, so there's a couple of related uh, related articles here. Uh, this is from Cointelegraph. Um, Marie Hewlett is uh, writing... Well, her headline is, Release the Tape, You Coward, Rubini Tells BitMEX CEO After Debate. And this was five hours ago. American economist and professional crypto contrarian Noriel Rubini has furiously demanded the release of a recording of his latest debate with BitMEX CEO and co-founder Arthur Hayes. In one of several fulminating tweets posted July 2nd, Rubini accused the organizers of the Asia Blockchain Summit in Taiwan of being part of a mafia hush money racket and cowing to BitMEX's censorship by choosing to neither tape nor broadcast his debate with Hayes during the event. One tweet reads, Another crypto haze scam. He didn't allow the blockchain conference to record our debate or beam it live. He controls the only recording of it and will only release heavily edited highlights. I destroyed crypto haze in the debate and he is hiding. Release the tape, you coward. (laughs) One thing about Rubini, man, I can always count on him for a good daily train wreck. Uh, While Rubini's well-oiled routine of playing the crypto antagonist is well-known across the industry, the economist appears to be particularly keen on having this latest squabble dubbed the Tangle in Taipei in the public eye. Hayes, seemingly more relaxed about the affair, responded to Rubini by assuring him that any tape release would expose his thin grasp of economics and technology. According to CoinGraph's reporter at the scene, the tangle in Taipei was largely a rehearsal of Rubini's view that the crypto industry is rife with scammers 
and it is, and that is technology is neither secure, decentralized, or nor scalable. Most of it is, or most of it isn't. I mean, he, Noriel has a couple of good points. It's when he attacks Bitcoin the way he does with a very thin grasp of its technology. The rest of it is kind of actually spot on. I mean, but he's still just a seems like an angry old man yelling at clouds. Okay, continuing on. He also reiterated his view of its shortcomings as a payment system and dubbed the entire space of innovation as a manifestation of Stone Age technology, not a digital revolution. Jesus, God. It remains to be seen whether Hayes' release of debut highlight or d- debate highlights will grace ears with another Rubini's Taipei soundbites. Quote, there's nothing smart about smart contracts. One conference attendee who says she, quote unquote, endured, Rubini's debate performance summarized it as, quote, the entitled view of a privileged man speaking for the underprivileged, end quote. As recently reported, BitMEX posted record volumes across its operations as Bitcoin hit $13,000 last month. As the world's single biggest Bitcoin derivatives provider, the platform reported more than $1 billion of open interest on the market, prompting Hayes to declare that crypto winter is resolutely over. Rubini, meanwhile, provided fresh insights at the SALT conference in New York this spring, claiming that crypto is the mother and father of all bubbles. In response to the late, latest, uh, the, sorry, in response to the latest fracas over Taipei, one social media commentator picked up on an apparent Rubini tweet of six-year vintage back when BTC was in the double digits, quipping Noriel, what's the percent gained between 58 and $10,000? <laughs> I don't know why Noriel allows this, you know, himself to be put in these positions. It's it, it's always his own damn fault. Um, now, the block crypto has a little bit more follow up on, on what's going on in, in this whole Taipei tangle thingy. Yogi Takatri is writing as of today from the block crypto, uh, a debate between noted economist and crypto skeptic Noriel Rubini. And BitMEX CEO Arthur Hayes made sparks fly in the type in Taipei City Tuesday. At the 2019 Asia Blockchain Summit, the debate centered around whether cryptocurrencies are a scam or the future. Rubini and Hayes, of course, had completely opposite views. Quote, shitty behavior occurs in the cryptocurrency industry with scammers and criminals around, Rubini said. Bitcoin is not secure, not decentralized, and not even scalable, the economist added. Hayes counterpointed, saying that Bitcoin's $220 billion market cap represents a huge bug bounty, yet it has never successfully been hacked. <clears throat> quote, don't store your fucking Bitcoin on an exchange. Hold your own keys to secure your assets, he added. <laughs> on scalability, the CEO said that it takes decades to scale. Credit cards and traditional banking took decades. The 10 years of progress for Bitcoin is impressive. Rubini argued that the world doesn't need cryptocurrencies as the revolution is already happening in the fintech space and artificial intelligence, big data, the Internet of Things will fix things. Oh, <laughs> Dr. Doom also noted payments initiatives in developing countries such as Unified Payments Interface in India and Alipay in China will take care of the digital future. Quote, we don't need that cesspool of stinking shit coins, Rubini said. Like I said, he gets some things right. I don't like shit coins either, Rubini. Hayes, on the other hand, said the world needs a choice. Moving from analog to digital as physical cash will be stripped away. Further, these payment initiatives such as WeChat Pay are very convenient, but all of your transactions are getting viewed by Tencent and the Chinese government. Privacy is important, Hayes added. The CEO agreed that crypto is less popular today with less than 1% of the world's population. 
owning it, but it is worth more than zero and that people value financial privacy. Quote, in 50 years, if Alibaba, Facebook, and Google control everything, people will like that thing that isn't controlled by the large companies. Bitcoin won't be a niche market, Hayes said. Rubini, repeating his point, said that there is no financial privacy, scalability, decentralization, or security. Most shit coins lost 95 to 99% last year, including some of the top 10. Bitcoin fell 30% in one week, he said. Hayes argued Bitcoin and crypto markets are the only real free market left in the world. Man, damn, Arthur. And in five years from now, crypto will be a trillion dollar plus asset class, which is still very tiny. Rubini, reiterating his views, said that it will all go to zero. And museum of failed coins will exist where people will collect Bitcoin, Ether, and Monero cryptocurrencies. Elsewhere in the face-off, both also discussed fake volumes on crypto exchanges, regulatory uncertainty, and Facebook's upcoming Libra cryptocurrency, among other things. While Rubini and Hayes both agreed Libra is not a cryptocurrency, Rubini said it is a symbol of crypto failing. That's <laughs> a special kind of brain you got up there, man. While Hayes said people will start to experience, quote, the joys and pitfalls of, of crypto with Libra. Speaking to Bloomberg on Tuesday, Hayes said that he thinks Libra will destroy commercial and central banks once it launches. I don't think so. I don't even know if it's going to launch. I think retail banks, maybe uh, maybe like in the crosshairs, but I don't think that Libra is a central bank killer. I, I mean, I guess it could be, but I don't know, man. I don't, you know, Zuckerberg's got a, a house address and it's, it's known. And if he pisses off the right people, um, I don't know, man. I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. Anyway, so there's your daily train wrecked smoldering pile over there in the corner. All right, your terrible joke corner. Learn sign language, it's very handy. Oh, man, jokes are so bad. Sometimes they should be made illegal. Anyway, so that's going to do it for today's show. A little short today. Uh, probably should have added a, a couple more things in there. Um, remember, Friday, I'm I'm out. So it will be a rerun, and I'm going to be out until, let's see, where, where am I going to be? I'm going to be missing, like, basically... Friday and then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and another Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I'll try to set up seven reruns for you because uh, I really just want to sit out in the woods and stare off into space and look at mountains and trees and chipmunks and stuff like that. Um, anyway, I'm looking forward to my vacation. Uh, I'm not looking forward to not doing the show for, for two weeks. But like I said, you know, one of these days, I might be able to, to, you know, cobble together a, a, a small studio at the house in Colorado and, you know, do a couple of shows from there. There's a, some interesting people. I, uh, I actually want to interview my neighbor. Uh, he's a homesteader up there. And I mean, we're talking goats, turkeys, chickens, you know, they, they grow their own pot. It's, it's, it's awesome. They're, and they're just both like, him and his wife are both old stoners, you know, like hippie stoners from the sixties and shit like that. And it's just really, it's, it's interesting, like going across the street and petting, you know, a whole bunch of goats and feeding chickens. And, you know, we actually, they bring over every year, they, uh, summer that we go, they bring over a whole bunch of goat, frozen goat milk and we'll end up making goat cheese. And it's, I mean, 
it's amazing making your own goat cheese because like it, it takes about, you know, from start to finish and including cleanup is about six hours, maybe a little bit longer, depending on how much you make, but it's, it's really easy and it's freaking delicious. Anyway. So, uh, after my vacation is pretty much when I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.